We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, forgetting about you, like always, we are joined always. by... Yeah, always, dude, always. We are joined by beat writer for The Athletic, yeah. 
for the Angels, Sam Blum. Sam, welcome back. How you doing? Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Nate. Look forward to being here, as always. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. I'm, I'm excited that you were able to take time and talk with us for a few minutes because um, you know, a lot of big news happening out there. But before we get going with those questions, let everybody know where they can find you if they don't know where to find you already and also where they can find your work. Uh, yeah, they can find me at uh, at theathletic.com. Go to the Angels tab. That's uh, that's a good place. And also on Twitter at Samblum3. You know, uh, yeah, that's probably the best two best spots. Twitter still exists, so no Instagram yet. <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully that that little Twitter thing stays around for a little while. It's a lot, a lot of fun. So, Nate, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Not doing too bad. Good Excited. to see Sam on. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, always, especially with the topic. We're going to continue to roll over with what we talked about last time. Of course, we kind of broke down Jeff and Rhett's article. I figured, hey, I mean, might as well reach out to Sam, see if he can talk. He has I, – I, I don't like using – some words, but he's been the most critical of uh, of the team, of the writers, of the beat writers. Um, and I, you know, I really wanted to get Sam's opinion on, you know, his favorite topic. I think I is is it your favorite? It's it's the most requested topic by you, um, in quite um, some time. You mean favorite in terms of like best stuff to like? Mo- I, I most enjoy talking about. I mean, you. I just think it's the most how, relevant. I just think it's the most relevant. Like. It comes to like everything is uh, from the tree of Artie to to some extent because it's not like I enjoy it or don't enjoy it. I just think it's if you're doing the job, you're covering what he's doing because, and that's why I mean you know I think people some not some people are always wondering why it's why I call it out why he didn't always talk when he didn't talk to us, and it's not because I want to don't like him or I really I don't know him to be honest with you or because I think he's a bad person or because I think he's a horrible owner it's because he makes every decision really to some extent he doesn't make every minor decision but it all stems from him so you know if we're going to get a sense of why things are the way they are and you know why the team is you know good or bad or whatever I mean it's 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 incumbent on him to kind of answer those questions and you know I'm certain if the Angels win the World Series he'll be available then and and you know you have to be available when your team has you know been out of the playoffs for eight straight years and has had losing seasons in seven straight years so I think it's important and you know it's wouldn't say it's my favorite topic but I do think it's the most important thing uh to talk about yeah yeah and there are so many topics that that stem from it that you know, just over the past three years that have not really been covered. I mean, starting all the way from you know Tyler Skaggs all the way up to selling the team, you know, so I, it, it was, yeah, it, it was time. And again, I, I like telling the story. I remember the last time, he, I think the last time he was at an Angels game, Um, it, I think it was either opening day or something along the lines of that. Somebody was being inducted into the Hall of Fame. It could have been Vlad. And he actually showed up late to the event because of bad traffic and everything was kind of pushed back because of him um you know i mean from a fan's perspective you look at it and it's like well that's you know typical arty um but i i did want to start off with with some you know questions about the team but i'll actually let's just jump right into arty moreno talk because i think i think there is there's quite a lot to break down so um from all of it i mean i just kind of want to get you know, what did you take away from it? There were a lot of key things addressed. Was there, were there some things that, you know, you thought were more key than others? Um, I, I mean, you were there. I'll let you kind of, kind of break it down in a sense. And, and you know, I'll let you have the floor, man. <laughs> I thought the biggest thing was 
you know, going in was trying to get a sense of, you know, obviously he didn't sell the team. And, you know, I think it was somewhat alluded to and he spoke to uh, Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated that, you know, obviously he wanted to come back and there was a reason for it. And maybe there was going to be something he changed or adjusted. And I wanted to get a sense of, okay, what is it that if you're coming back, what is it that you're going to do differently? Because clearly the status quo is, is, you know, it's, I mean, listen, I think they could have a good year this year, but I don't necessarily look at this team and see there's see a a ton of long-term success. They have some good young pitching, but you know, I don't necessarily look at the roster and and see a, a team built to win year after year. And so what, what was he going to do differently? You know, how are they going to kind of set up a, you know, a pipeline? How are they going to kind of establish, um, you know, whether that's through payroll or through minor league player development, what, what was going to be different? And the interesting thing was, I mean, instead of really saying, yeah, we're going to do things differently, he just kind of defended the way he operates to begin with. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, I think some of the points he made fair, obviously he has spent on payroll, but I think, you know, he also commented on the fact that he's always kind of given an unlimited budget for the minor league side. And I just don't I, I don't know how you could square that with what we know about the way the minor leagues have operated. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't you know, obviously the Angels books aren't open to me or to any reporters, but I think you can just read between the lines of how minor leaguers have kind of been treated. And not only just that, just how many of them come up through the Angels system and have success. There are obviously some outliers like Mike Trout. Jared Walsh, who's done really well. Uh, I think Reed Detmers is in a great position to have an incredible year, but I don't, you know, there's not a pipeline necessarily. Um, and so I, you know, that to me talking already was what were we going to get out? You know, what were we going to kind of learn about what will he do differently? And I didn't really feel like he felt like he needed to do much differently. Um, and he didn't really take responsibility for why this team is where it is. So um, I, I just got the sense he kind of just got cold feet about selling the team and, um, that was, uh, that was really the impetus for why he didn't sell it. So, you know, I think angels fans, you know, there'll be some who might have an optimistic outlook on this. There'll be some that will have a very negative outlook on it. I think, you know, the truth's probably somewhere in between, but honestly, uh, the track record isn't good in the last, you know, eight years. And and I think you kind of have to look at that and, and look at it really critically because it's just not, it isn't working right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think there's, this is, this is the cool thing with baseball in a sense. And yes, it's a stat based game, but everybody's, everybody's allowed their opinion. And I think, you know, if, if Artie Moreno did a good job in in the press conference, which some people think that he did, you know, there's, there's, there's some stuff to be taken away from that, you know, and some optimism Um, on the other hand, you know, they could have, they could have the opinion that you just gave. And it's like, you know, what's going to change? Like it, you can talk, it's, it's exactly how Nate looks, views the angels. Like you can talk up the angels every single year, every single year, like this team's a playoff team, this team's a playoff team, but until you see some actual change, right. There's nothing to really look forward to. Same thing with Artie. And we mentioned this last, this last podcast, like, is this, is this going to be a change? Well, like we don't know right now, you know, like talk to me in a year and see what's changed. Like is, has, has the the farm system started producing, you know, or have we, have we talked to some guys in the minor leagues and there's been some changes, you know, has, uh, it, did, did they win, you know, cause winning changes so much. I, I mean, that's like the key to key to everything. Like if the angels go off and, you know, make the playoffs and, and, you know, make it to the world series and win a world series. I mean, we're probably not talking too much about a lot of the things that happened, but since angels totally. haven't won, 
yeah, they have, since Angels haven't won, we're we are keen in on every little detail from minor league minor leaguers all the way down in the Dominican who uh, who are you know suing the Angels in in a sense. Not yeah, even, but that stuff's important, yeah. you know. I mean, it's, oh yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not minimal because you know this is a reflection of of the way this place operates. And and you know, listen, I don't know. It's though, though that little thing. I mean, I want to say little because it's you know those two guys' livelihoods, but yeah. I do think those things are reflections of of how you operate and and how you operate is really important if you're trying to find a winner. Yeah. And I think part of it too, Sam goes back to like already wanting to be a baseball guy, but he's not, he doesn't have the baseball background of some of these owners and some of these general managers that like have lived, breathed and and done baseball their entire life. So this guy saw baseball and was like, Oh, I want to invest. And he has had total control of everything he's done. That's, that's how he became as rich as he did. And now he tries to take control of a thing that he doesn't really comprehend. And I think that made it hard for him once we right. got to, um, once we once we get to some of those minor league things because everyone sees the major league stuff. They see like, oh, we give this guy this much money. Oh, we saw these guys' numbers. But you know, not too many people, especially you know, pre two thousand and ten, maybe even two thousand eight, you're not really talking too much about minor leaguers and and their their housing and and all these types of things. So Artie probably has nothing no knowledge of this until he actually physically gets in there and he's like you know what just just do whatever's been going on and whatever's been going on it's not good enough because everything has to change we we need to adapt and we need to get better but i actually said very similar to what you did yesterday um i said reading and, and looking at Artie's press conference he looks the exact same as he always says he is mr consistency he always wants a superstar business is first and you saw it in his interview business was first he wanted the superstar and it doesn't look like too much is going to change from uh him perspective maybe maybe some more money goes into the minor leagues we hope but we'll have to wait and see that's the wait and see approach that Jared the interesting thing with. that um i thought he said was like there was one line when he uh referred to and this was at the bottom of the article that you know hopefully people read um where he basically said that he equated the hundred million dollars more in payroll that like the mets and the Dodgers maybe spend to, he said, we can't afford to lose a hundred million dollars. And I just thought it was interesting that he basically looks at spending that much more money as losing money. Um, you know, and in a way, I think when you like, if, I think if you were to look at the, what the Padres have done, uh, a team that is, you know, I think one of the most exciting franchises in probably all of pro sports, the way they've adapted the last couple of years and really started spending, um, you know, they they spend more and I don't, I look at that as an investment, right? Like that's an investment in your success, the way that the fans have reacted to it. You know, they probably get a return now on, on that investment. You know, does that mean that then the net profit, uh, the revenues are, are more, maybe not right now, but maybe it will be in the future, right? You, you start to act like a big market team and you start, you maybe will start earning like a big market team. Um, the angels, I think are middling in that sense. They're not, they're not a big market team right now. Uh, I think that they want to present themselves as that when they you know, obviously they call themselves the Los Angeles Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll spend record contracts on Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, maybe Shohei Otani. But it's it's just it's like it's got the allure of a big market team without anything really the infrastructure to back it up. That's the way I look at it. My one question, though, when you bring up the Padres, what happens if Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado in this next contract? What happens if year three Bogarts and Machado are complete complete misses? Do the Padres start looking at things the way the Angels are looking at it now? Going, man, we wasted a lot of money. 
you know, this was not what we thought. We're here to win championships. Like, yeah, we put butts in seats for three years, but Bogarts hit 225. Machado was on the injured list the entire time. Like, I, I do think Artie has a little bit of buyer's remorse after some of these contracts he's put himself into. And part of it's his fault. And, and sure. I 100% say they are his fault. I'm not going to say they aren't his fault. But you look at Josh Hamilton, he's probably got a little bit of buyer's remorse from that one. You look at Albert Pujols, he probably has a little bit of buyer's remorse. You have Upton. You have um, C.J. Wilson, but he got paid back from that one, which was nice. Even though Wilson had a good year, he still had some injuries. And then you even look at Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon has has been um, a well, huge miss for so there's, for there's two, two, two and a half buyer, years or whatever. There's two types of buyer's remorse here too. When you look at it, like the yes. Albert Pujols, the Albert Pujols contract, it, it was a that was a business move when you when you really break it down and you look at it. Like that's what helped them get the big the big con the the big tv contract right after they signed Pujols, they got the big tv contract so i mean from a business perspective it probably wasn't because again butts and seats but, and everything from a fan perspective games. yeah you know you want to i mean again winning and this i think that's what people are upset about is the winning games right like yeah. nobody is upset with the the business model of the angels like you you might be a little upset with you know not spending in the minor leagues and things like that but you can't be upset with the angels spending 180 to 190 million every year and having uh, the the giant TV contracts, things like that. What they're upset with is they keep spending money in the wrong places and keep losing games. And I think that's what Sam's kind of alluding yeah. to here. It's like Artie is spending money in the wrong places and he's not winning. And now he's kind of in that, that like, where, where do I go? Do I continue to do the same thing and continue to put money into guys that may or may not help me win? Or do I try and put money into the minor leagues and hopefully this farm system and pipeline starts to show up and now all of a sudden it's like, Hey, we're doing things the right way. Maybe we can turn into the Astros instead of the the Dodgers or the Mets. And you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's listen. It, it, this is if you were going to get a new owner, I think that's is a part of it too. You can't take out that whole dynamic. I mean, this this team was going to be worth at least three billion dollars, yep. which would have you know we're talking about Steve Cohen and what he paid for the Mets. A record was about two point four billion. And so, you know, the Angels were going to be like the most expensive team, and there's a reason for it. And I think people. You know, they play little brother, but in a lot of ways, the Angels can be a totally separate big brother, right? Like, like they could be that, that like the a huge big market team, like the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, like any team, like the Red Sox, uh, it could have spent like that. I think if you're going to buy a team for $3 billion, you're not going to let Shohei Otani walk out the door, right? Like, you know, you're, you're going to uh, kind of spend on the back ends. Like, I think when you look at what the Dodgers and the Astros in particular, those, those teams are really good at establishing a pipeline and then also spending in free agency. And just think the angels are a little bit on the, they're kind of cut just a little bit on either side. Uh, there's not that if you're not going to, I think the angels in order to be successful, would probably need to exceed the luxury tax a pretty significant amount, especially if they're going to keep Otani yeah. um, and they spend, but it's, it's just not enough if you're not going to have consistent players coming up through the system. Um, but you know, especially it, when you keep spending yeah. on wrong guys like a Justin Upton yeah. or yeah. A, and not to throw Justin Upton or Anthony Rendon or any of these guys under the bus, but like they just haven't been worth their contracts. Or to Anthony Rendon's credit, he hasn't been worth his contract yet. He still can be, and it's like if you guys are gonna get get paid forty five million dollars or thirty million dollars like Upton, you, you've got to be able to play well because when you're not playing well, that puts the Angels at a disadvantage because now the luxury tax is even closer, and you have. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the Angels have a good, you know, listen, if they had, uh, I don't think getting Trey Turner for someone who's well as wealthy as Artie, it shouldn't be prohibitive of also getting the guys that they ended up getting, to my my opinion. But listen, if you're working in the budget that they're probably working in, 
then I think Perry did a very solid job. And I came into this offseason kind of thinking there's not really a direction here. And they're probably going to kind of re-up in the same way that they always have. Fans have convinced themselves of every year. So we'll see. But uh, if they don't do, if they don't have a good year this year, it's just awful, right? Like, I mean, I think that a lot of things are getting, a lot of dominoes will fall if this is not a good year for them. It will just be a poor reflection on this organization if they can't find a way to win this year. So we'll see. I have, I have optimism that they will be good. Uh, it's important that they're good. Yeah. This is this is why I don't give 95 plus win expectations like some people in the room. Oh, Jared. Um <laughs> Because that's exactly how I feel. It's like every single year, you you read everything, you look at everything, and it's, oh, the Angels are going to win 94 games. They're going to finish in the postseason, and you never know. Mike Trout gets there. Shohei Otani gets there. We could win the thing. And then you're in August, and they're lucky to win 60 games. Nice to have 87. And, yep. you know, it was 73, right? So I was about four. I, I had 80 and 82, and I was still upset that I was that far off. Yeah, you were much closer. <laughs> you were way more realistic. So, I mean, you're wrong again. I mean, you know, I think it's easy when you're around a team all the time to kind of feel like, okay, this guy's pretty good. But, I mean, you look at the rotation. It's like, that's a good rotation. Am I, yeah. I, I'm not crazy to think that. I mean, we just watched Patrick yeah. Sandoval right now dealing on a pretty good – at a pretty big stage against a really good lineup. Um you know, Reed Detmers has looked great. Uh, you know, he finished the season really strong, and you have Otani, obviously, and we'll see what Tyler Anderson can kind of bring. But um, it's a good rotation, and that's the basis, I think, for the success that they should have this year. Yeah, yeah. Sandy, Sandy has looked great. Yeah, a- absolutely. And then I'm sorry if this thing got cut off. For all the listeners and watchers, my internet's been been horrendous. Um, with that being said, I have you know a couple more questions here for you. Uh, no, what does he have? Uh, Am I cutting in and out? I'm sorry, guys. I'm we're going to do some major editing on this podcast. I I can see myself going in and out here, but uh, but we we started talking about Shohei Otani just a little bit. I kind of want to dive into that. What are your thoughts? Do you think that Shohei Otani may stick around? Do we think that I don't know? You you know that I think that's kind of the big question. I I think everybody thinks that he's going. He's not going to be an angel, but I mean, you look at he's making thirty mil. You lose Renif or not Renifo. You lose Renfro next year. That's about 10 mil. You lose a guy like Urshela next year. That's another 10 mil. And hey, you add that up and that's 50 million right there um, between all of them. So I I think that they have, they're capable of extending and signing Otani. I think it comes down to him at the end. But did you, did anything stick out to you when he, when, when uh, already talked about uh, Shoei? Well, first off, I mean, if they lose all those guys, they're going to have a pretty bad team if all they get back, is, if all they have is Otani and the players that they have. I mean, right? Like, they need to – that's the thing with the Angels. They need to be able to fill that the rest in. They did a good job of that this year. That's why I said at this top, I think they're in a good position to have a successful season this year, but I don't look at them as a long-term successful team because, I, I mean, you know, maybe Otani leaving is an opportunity for them, if it does happen, to, to, to like, really – build a good roster. I mean, and it's going to be tough. It's a huge, huge number of wins to replace. And obviously just a, a massive hole if he were to leave, but you have to, you, as when you're a franchise, like, you know, you have to think ruthlessly like that. You have to think like, what do we do? Right. You can't just be like, like, oh, well, let's hope, right. Like that's not a good strategy at all. Um, you know, I, I think the really successful teams, I, my first year covering baseball, I covered the Rays and, you know, I think when I look at what they do successfully to some extent is that they're not they're not like attached to their players. And, and that can be a bad thing in a lot of ways, because I think, you know, you players are the 
lifeblood of a fan base and you know they have and the players have connections with the fans but at the end of the day i mean the rays are like okay well what's the bet what do we need to do to win this year and they usually do win so it's it's um you know i I look at it that way to some extent uh you know if you're thinking from the vantage point of an owner and a front office like you need to think about what it will take for you to win on all contingencies um but yeah i mean with what with what uh already said about otani he's uh you know, he said he was a top 10, five to 10 player in the game, which is a kind of ridiculous comment. I'm not sure what that was about. <laughs> it's just not true. Right. Like, it's like, where is he like, is that a negotiating tactic? I don't, I don't understand that one. Uh, I don't know. Does he not, not watch baseball? Like maybe he doesn't know who Otani is. He's like, thinks Otani is somebody else. It was very weird. I, I just didn't know where that came from. And, you know, he just said he would be willing to go over the luxury tax and he feels like he'll make a competitive offer. But there were a couple other statements he made throughout the rest of the availability that I thought were like a little bit contradictory to that in terms of, you know, his willingness to like really spend a lot uh, above, you know, I think significantly exceed that that 233 uh, that it is this year at least. So, yeah, it's uh, 233 million. So it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of it will depend also on how successful the team is. And there's a lot of factors. But right now, I think, you know, it doesn't feel like it's likely, but there's a lot of time before now and when, when that decision has to be made. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely felt like just some of the quotes, it it didn't feel like he was going to be willing to, you know, compete with a Met type offer. That's exactly where it felt like he went. He's like, I'm not going to be able to, you know, if we're not in a position to, you mentioned already lose 50, a hundred million dollars. And that's what it kind of felt like he led towards was, you know, the Mets or a team like that outbidding the angels by 50 or a hundred million dollars, you know? Um, and, and we, we phrased it this way, like, it seems like the angels have their, their, you know, mark of where they want to, you know, try to sign Otani at. And if they go above it, it doesn't seem if, if a team goes above it, it doesn't seem like the angels are going to really push to go, uh, any, any farther with that. So, um, Nate, I don't know if you have any, anything else to add on, on the Otani thing. I don't want to beat a dead horse because I feel like it's only been Otani and already that we've talked about, you know, the past 8,000 episodes that we've done and you know it's, it's kind of a lot of fun to talk about but um a lot of interesting roster moves I want to get on to our last question here a lot of possible interesting roster moves that could happen I have a list of six players here I want your thoughts on if they make the opening day roster or if they don't make the opening day roster and it kind of adds you know there, there are a couple players that kind of sure. I didn't put fun. in the mix but didn't but so Logan Ohapi I think I'll make the opening day roster um you know, it's 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 not a guarantee though, right? Because you have Max Dassey, who's uh, solidified, I believe. Obviously, I mean, he's certainly being paid uh, enough right now, where they they couldn't, you know, for the next two years, where they 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 need to have him on the team. And and obviously, he's also a team leader. And I think there's a track record there where you know you could look at what happened to him last year and feel like, you know, that might have been something of an outlier, uh, offensively in particular. Um, you know, the, the big question with catcher is Matt Dice and what is the angels, how do they view him and are they willing to let him walk? Because he's got no options left. And so if you don't put him on the roster, he'll go through waivers and listen, he's a catcher that can, that can hit probably above average comparison to other catchers. So the, he'll probably get t- taken, especially by maybe a bad team that, you know, wants to kind of work with him to kind of really perfect the position and, and put him in position to hit well and, and be a, maybe a, long-term player for them so there's a scenario where they take three catchers i think the most likely scenario is they have stassi and ohapi um 
But yeah, that's a really tough one. That's going to be a tough. I'll say yes to Ohapi though. I think I just think that they're trying to win this year. You're going to put your best players out there, and Ohapi to me seems like the best player that they could put out there. Yep. Yeah, it's it. I had to, I wanted to throw that one in first because that's such a tough one. Um, Brett Phillips. You know, man, I love Brett Phillips. He's so nice every day. He says hello. You know, he's just like the nicest person. Uh, I think it's more likely than not that he does make the team, but I'm going to go with no on this just because uh, I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe I'm listing other names of people you'll ask me in the future, but if if I were constructing this roster to me, what I would prioritize is having, I would put Andrew Velasquez on it. And the reason why is that I think you need somebody who could come in and be a defensive replacement on the infield, in particular a shortstop, because you don't have a solidified real shortstop and you want to be able to have good defense late in games. And People don't always realize this about Velasquez, but he would consider his primary position to be center field. And obviously someone like Trout is going to need off days this year. You'll have a good defensive center fielder. Uh, and, you know, uh, his hitting is what it is. Uh, I don't think you put him on the roster for hitting. But, I mean, Brett Phillips has really, really, really struggled this this spring offensively. I mean, he struck out in, I think, about half of his plate appearances. Uh, so, listen, I mean, they signed Brett Phillips he's on a major league deal. I think if they were to DFA him, you know, they're probably in a position to keep him because I don't know how many teams are going to want to pay him the 1.2 million. Uh, you know, so he, he, he even said he didn't get any other major league offers. Love Brett Phillips would love to cover him, love to have him on the team and, and deal with him every day. Uh, but I mean, just kind of looking at this from a, you know, what makes the most sense situation, I would go with no, but I don't know exactly how the angels feel about this. Tucker Davidson. Yes. I think he'll be on the roster. He's had a really good spring. Um, and he's got no options. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the Angels is they don't need to necessarily decide a, a sixth starter. And they've and even Phil said this the other day. He's not. They're not going to decide a sixth starter until after the home series against the Nationals. I think like in the middle of April because the off days are early on. So yeah, they, they're, they'll have him on the team. I'm sure he'll probably come out of the bullpen to start this season, and they'll probably use him as a starter, assuming he's looked good and looked effective. Um, you know, moving forward. I mean, the the, the only you know, complicating factor to that is, well, Griffin Canning's also had a very good spring and, you know, you, you probably would want to give him an opportunity if he feels like it's deserved. But I mean, just starting the year, I don't, I don't, what it would be stupid for the angels to just let him walk, let Davidson walk after the spring he's had some team would take him. So it's, it, you know, makes no sense. Absolutely. And the last one, the biggest, probably the biggest question, Ben Joyce. Ben Joyce, man, it's going to be either Joyce or Wance, I think. Um, I'm going to say no on Ben Joyce because I do think that Andrew Wentz has had a good enough spring where they're just, you know, and he, he had a good year last year. Um, it's really tough. I mean, you know, you get in Wentz, Wentz is a middle innings, you know, come in bridge guy. Like he's reliable. Like I think you're comfortable putting him in a game that you're winning. Ben Joyce has like got that factor to him where he's like, okay, well maybe you have like this shutdown dude uh, that throws 104 and like instills fear in every person that comes up. And you don't want to lose that. And also, he probably only has so many bullets to throw this year. Uh, I mean, you know, he's got like 50 innings ever. Like, this guy does not pitch much. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll say no to start the year. But we're going to see Ben Joyce, I'm guessing, pretty early on. Um, you know, I think same thing with Zach Weiss. You know, he's had, he had a really good end of the year last year. Had a good – I mean, he's not really been around in spring because he was in playing for Team Israel. But I expect him to be up early on in the season, too, when there's an opportunity. Absolutely. A lot of really interesting questions still be uh, figured out here in the next two weeks or so. Um, and I think the I think the Jose Marte thing 
injury uh, helps out Ben Joyce a little bit because you were kind of absolutely. Looking yeah, at, I thought, that yeah. was, you know, obviously outside of you know, obviously hope the best for for Jose. My first thought was, yeah, I mean, that was uh, yeah, that that like like that would obviously open up a, a roster spot because they could just put him on the sixty day. I mean, it's it's a four week they shut him down, but he's not you know he's who need a ramp up of at least probably a month, so it's probably yep. about six you know at least two you know sixty days. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we let you go here, Sam, let everybody know where they can find you uh, where on Twitter, where they can find your work on The Athletic. Yeah, please go find me on Twitter at Sam Blum, the number three. Um, and uh, yeah, on theathletic.com, just go to the Angels tab. We'll be there uh, all the time. There'll be lots of new stuff and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Absolutely. Go subscribe to The Athletic. It's a fantastic, fantastic way to get latest news on the Angels. So uh, from Nate and myself, you can follow Nate Green at, uh, on Twitter, Nate Green 34 myself at Jared underscore Tim's. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.